Uh, another great conversation here today. I can't wait to get to it. Another a trailblazer in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, you'll remember him well. He's uh, still at it. Woo, woo, woo. You know it. Zack Ryder, who uh, really was one of the guys, one of the guys early on in the world of professional wrestling, wrestling that realized just what uh, the, the social media platforms could do. And uh, he uh, started to uh, put on a show on uh, YouTube, and that launched his career with the WWE. He was really going nowhere, and then he basically made them take notice uh, with the fans that he garnered from all of the uh, YouTube videos that he was putting up. And we're going to hear a lot more about that and what he's been up to, and also his newest venture. Uh, if you know, he's a, a big fan of collecting uh, these wrestling figures, and he has a new podcast out. We're going to be hearing a lot more about that coming up. What do you say we get to our conversation this week with Zach Ryder? Let's do it. Ding, ding, ding. This is a conversation I have been looking forward to having. Uh, as you know, as we've been moving along, as the uh, Primetime with Sean Mooney podcast has uh, evolved, uh, not only have we been talking to a lot of the superstars that were with the WWF at the time, uh, the WWE as we all know it today, um, but uh, we talked to a lot of superstars during that era. But I've also really enjoyed talking to people that were younger at the time who entered the business, and a lot of the influence uh, that they had uh, about the business came from a lot of these superstars. And these guys have changed the business since. And that is certainly an individual we have on with us today. Uh, Zach Ryder joins us. Zach, so much. I'm glad that you and I finally got together. Uh, before we went on here, I told you uh, that we did meet once before back yes. uh, when they had the thousandth episode of Raw. But thanks so much for coming on. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, I'm honored to be a part of the show. Big fan of, of yours. Yeah, um, I, 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 was, I just mentioned that we saw each other at, at that uh, anniversary uh, special with Raw. And my son went with me. And he was uh, pretty young at the time. He's 19 now. So, you know, that was a few years ago. But um, he was so into the WWE at the time, and you were one of the guys that he loved to follow because of um, what you were doing with YouTube and all that. And we'll, we'll get into it. Sure but, sure. but before we do that, I always like to uh, get right to what you've been up to lately, and I, 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 I'm loving it. I know that you've been a big collector your entire life. And oh, I think it's more of an obsession yeah. than collecting. <laughs> an <Yeah>. illness? <laughs> yeah. right. No, but uh, it, it's called the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast. And uh, how did this How did this all come about? Is this the, the evolution of Zack Ryder that uh, you, you knew one day this was going to happen? Uh, well, you know, Kurt Hawkins and I, uh, we love figures, and uh, we talk about them literally every day through text or in person. And uh, we decided, like, why don't we just do a podcast about figures? Because there's a lot of other fans out there, a lot of other collectors out there. So let's try to, uh, you know, start this little community about, you know, because we're all grown men here, collecting yeah. figures, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, of course, you know, there's kids out there playing with them. But there's a lot of adult collectors who they either have their figures from their childhood or they're collecting the new Mattel figures. So uh, this podcast is just about, you know, the collecting, uh, our collections, and we 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 uh we sprinkle in some uh some wrestling stories in there. But we ch there's so many wrestling podcasts out there, so we try to be different with just wrestling figures, you know. Yeah, but but it, it's fun because I was just going to mention that it 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 certainly is focused on the uh, wrestling figures. But I love the way that you do. You sprinkle stuff in. It's a conversation, and that obviously is what 
uh, is another big draw to the podcast is that uh, you do have that, that you do have these conversations. Do you remember, what was your first figure that you got? Is it, does that stand out to you? Do you remember or oh, did you man. get a couple at once? Yeah, people always ask me, like, what was my first match that I <laughs> remember watching my first uh, action figure, but <laughs> I was so young. Like, my dad got me into wrestling when I was a little, little baby. He claims that he took me to WrestleMania too, but I would not have even been uh, one year's uh, one year old yet, so mm. I think he's lying. But and he uh, had the papoose thing going on that uh, yeah, we're talking about but today on Twitter. All those... Um, <laughs> Those old school rubber LJN figures, those that's what I grew up on. I was playing with them. I was, you know, using them as, as chew toys, biting off the fingers and stuff like that. But uh yeah, that like my whole childhood is is just wrestling. That's all I remember. Well, I have to tell you, Zach, one of the greatest uh uh regrets of my life, and I I really I had nothing to do with it, but there is not a Sean Mooney wrestling figure out there that's a travesty uh, i can't believe it. i'm gonna talk to my friends in my cell I, I can't make any promises okay but i mean but can you believe that i mean gene probably has what 50 i mean i think they just came out with a new one they just come out with a new uh bg uh i wouldn't say 50 he's got a couple though he's definitely got a couple well, yeah that's uh that's kind of bs well and, and you being a collector right you would know that if there was one if you if they how rare that would be it would be worth <laughs> who knows how much money I mean, what? hey, Zach, uh, you can get. I think they sell my uh, the, the collector's cards. You know those baseball cards. Right. Yes. You can get uh, you know two three dollars on eBay on, uh, <laughs> for, for one of those that are signed. From my... don't feel bad because like there's all the uh, the fans who wait wait at the airports to try to get us to to still sign like uh. the tops cards and and I'm like I, I collect this stuff so I know that these cards are like worthless. So the, these poor guys are waking up at five a.m. Yeah. to try to get everyone to sign their their tops baseball cards and then on eBay they're selling for like. Five bucks. Right, right, yeah. So, I mean, I guess you got to sell like 100 cards to make a lot of money. Well, you know, when people, they send them to me. I mean, oh, still, I mean, I left the WWF, Zach, in, in 1993, and these cards still show up. And it's been more since I started doing the podcast, but I'm not yeah. I'm not kidding you. Over the years, they would just come from all over the place, you know, England, uh, you know, because UK was big over there. But, uh, yeah, they send me these cards, and somebody was. I remember one of my friends told me, you know, God, they send you these cards, and you sign them, and you send them back to them. I said, <laughs> well, if somebody has taken the time to track me down and sent a self addressed addressed envelope with a stamp on it, the least I could do is sign that thing and send it back to them. He's like, well, they're making money off you. I said, yeah, two dollars. I mean, I guess over the <laughs> years, I'd probably have amassed. 500 <laughs> you're, you're too nice of a guy because the same thing happens to me and yeah. i don't send them back <laughs> really <laughs> because oh. then it confirms that i live there yeah but i don't not that they've never come to my home i had a, oh, okay, I had a production company here in tucson for a okay. while and then they send them i work at a local station here in uh in, out here at arizona that's a little, that's a little different show. yeah no that would be scary I, I don't feel as i don't feel as bad yeah the, but no you're right you have a good point that, that would that, it's just a little scary when they know where you live I, and i, mean, I do i, totally I do feel it. bad when i don't send it back you know no. i'm not cold you know cold-blooded you know but i can't i can't do it i can't confirm and then they'll tell their friends "Ooh, just go you know Go to the mail and, and send something to Zach Ryder, and he'll, he'll mail it back. Right. You know, I, can't, I can't confirm that. Well, you have uh, a, a, quite a following. I mean, you have 2.2 million Twitter followers. I don't have uh, – yeah, uh, I'm coming up on, I think, I'm a little <laughs> over 8,000 8, now, Zach. So, uh, you know, it's not a problem in my life. So I think, <laughs> all, the, might be for I think you. all the Twitter numbers <laughs> and all that stuff, it's, I think it's, it's bogus. Well, 
It's pretty impressive, though. I tell you, there's not a lot oh, yeah, of people it who do. Helps, you know. Yeah, no kidding. Okay, so let's let's get into it because I always uh, love to when I have people come on because most of them are just incredibly fascinating fascinating stories. You're no exception here, and and many of them are very inspirational. Uh, I know you grew up on Long Island. Isn't that funny how we say that? You don't say in Long Island. You say you I'm grew glad, up in I'm Arizona. I'm glad you said that because yeah. a lot of people say in Long Island. Yeah. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's on yeah. Long Island. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and in Merrick, uh, a town. Yes. See, I spent a lot of time back east, You know, not just because when I was working for the WWF, but I lived in the city for uh, about six years. So uh, I know that area very well. I had a lot of friends who lived out on Long Island and, uh, it's a, it's a great place to grow up. It's really, uh, a lot happening out in that area. Yeah. I liked it because, you know, it wasn't in the middle of New York city. You could just take yeah. a train like 45 minutes and like be in the, in the hustle and bustle, you know, but it was a nice, like, I don't know, suburban, uh, neighborhood. And it was a great, uh, great childhood for sure. Yeah, and, and uh, I, I imagine that that obsession with wrestling, not just with the figures, but the the you know the the business itself, started early on. You said your dad got you into it even before you knew it. It sounds like. right, and yeah. I, you know he was taking me to all the uh, the shows at the Nassau Coliseum, or you know I went to WrestleMania ten at Madison Square Garden, or SummerSlam ninety one at Madison Square Garden. So it was great being um, in New York and having yeah. so many events there. I felt like you know that you could go to a show like every month if you wanted to. Oh, exactly. I mean, we had shows right. everywhere. I mean, remember the Nassau Coliseum, right? You. And, uh, you know, Alfred and I would go down to uh, Madison Square Garden every month and we'd do these shows. Right. Remember back then we did uh, Superstar Billy Graham was also our third man, which was fun with doing shows with him because I had heard the lore of him. And um, this is before his, you know, his health really started to decline. It was tougher. You know, you see with those guys, their bodies just fall apart sure. uh, at some point. But um, it really was. If you lived in that area in New England, because they also did shows every month at the Boston Garden. And, uh, you know, it was a, a great way because you got to see these guys all the time. I don't remember how expensive they were, but what a great time to grow up. I mean, is that uh, those memories vi vivid with superstars and wrestling challenge uh, still? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. For sure. And even now, like the, the wrestling figures that like that I buy, it's only like the old stuff. You know, I'm not mm. I'm not buying like the Dean Ambrose you know what I'm saying? Like I'm going back and, and I'm only getting like the old stuff because that's my childhood. That's what I remember. That's what drove me to get into this business. Yeah. And, um, you know, I can't I can't say why I love it. I just I just know that I do. It's just like this this indescribable feeling. And uh, it's ever since I was a little kid, I just knew that I wanted to be uh, in WWE. And, you know, like as I grew older and I didn't grow out of wrestling, I think people kind of, you know, they didn't really take me as seriously. Like, well, okay, now like you're in high school, like you have to apply to college. Like, what do you, what are you really gonna be? I'm like, no, like you don't get it. Like, I'm going to be in WWE, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a super positive person, you know. Like, 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 um, now I, obviously I set goals and stuff like that, but like, I, I was a skinny little kid who wasn't very athletic in high school. Like, I had no business saying that I'm going to be a WWE superstar, you know, and now I understand why people didn't take me seriously, but I knew, Hey, once, once it's graduation, I'm going to find a wrestling school. I'll go to community college. I worked out a little deal with my parents. You know, I would, I would go to the college and they would pay for my wrestling school. Mm -hmm. And, um, 
I mean, I don't necessarily believe in fate, but everything kind of happens for a reason, and it all worked out for me. And I got signed like very, very early yeah, into my uh, independent career. Like I got signed when I was twenty years old. Yeah, that's that's amazing. You know, I don't know if a study has ever been done, but uh, you know, I think I could base it on this podcast of talking to many of the superstars. I think that if they did a study and they asked uh, these successful superstars, "Did you have backyard wrestling?" I oh, would God. think. I mean, I think that that the percentage of how many actually ended up doing well in the business would be pretty high because that shows an incredible <laughs> devotion. And, and oh, I know my, you you did the same thing, right? Oh yeah, and uh, <laughs> like I was such a, a loser. Like and I was like, because when I was in high school, wrestling wasn't cool. This was after the Attitude Era. Mm, you know, like the yeah. Attitude Era had just ended, and he, and so like when I was growing up. Like kindergarten, first grade, everyone was into like the WWF, you know, like Superstars sure. Wrestling Challenge. And then like the mid 90s, everyone kind of got out of it. Mm-hmm. And it was just myself and like my brothers. Like we kind of liked it. Well, no, we loved it, but there was no one else that we could really share it with. Yeah. And then like 97, 98, like 99, it was like now everyone was wearing the Austin 316, DX, NWO. And then like with a snap of fingers, they just stopped. And it was just like, yeah. Me and a close group of friends, like just all alone. And that's when we started doing the backyard wrestling. And um, obviously, don't try this at home. It's definitely was not yeah. safe. You know, obviously, we were not trained by any means. But um, that's what I love doing. I, I, I had my own promotion. I was I was the booker. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I love yeah. like the creative, uh, just like putting the storylines together and then actually putting the match. We had our pay-per-views and everything like that. So it was a lot of fun. And I don't regret one bit of it. (laughs) Zach, uh, we still have a lot more to talk about, but I'm going to take a quick break here. You know, I know you're you're uh, we're a ladies man. I know you're uh, uh, very happy where you are right now. But, you know, I I know that uh, you were something else with the spiked hair and the woo, woo, woo. Right. But uh, guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Some of us may need a little more help these days. Well, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's right. That's blue like the color blue. BlueChew.com brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know they work. And you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, and since they're chewable, They work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever that opportunity arises. Now, BlueChew.com is prescribed online, and they ship it straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting at the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. Now, they're made in the USA, and since BlueChew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than in a pharmacy. Right, that's exactly right. Now, uh, you've got a very special deal that you can have right here if you act quickly. If you'll recall, when Blue Chew first came out, uh, they, they everybody was talking about them. And uh, with they were doing a lot more than talking about them. They were ordering them. And they ran out, absolutely ran out. Well, now they're back, but who knows for how long. But this is your chance. you got a special deal, and they're for our listeners here on Primetime with Sean Mooney. If you visit BlueChew.com right now, You'll get your first shipment absolutely free when you use our special promo code PRIMETIME. That's P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. And you'll just pay $5 for shipping. Again, that's 
bluechew, B-L-U-E, chew.com, promo code PRIMETIME to try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And of course, we are just thrilled that they are now a sponsor here on Primetime with Sean Mooney. Well, you, and you mentioned that, uh, you know, you get signed very early on. Uh, before I get to that, though, uh, you said, you know, you're not a great, you know, we're not a great positive person. You're this skinny kid in high school, but you also faced a major adversity early on with uh, a battle with cancer. And I think you right. were a sophomore in high school. Uh, that had to have been a, uh, a life-altering experience. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, mean um, long story short, that sucked. I had a, a tumor in my right foot um, that spread to to my lungs. So I had tumors in, uh, mm. two tumors in one lung and one in the other. So I had, you know, all the surgeries, the, the chemo, losing the hair, like everything that, wow. all those like horror stories, like I went through, uh, all these complications. Um, like it was a big deal and it sounds so cliche, but like the only thing that the only like light at the end of the tunnels, like, well, I gotta, I gotta survive this. I gotta make it through this because I have to get to WWE. Like that was it. And I know it sounds like so cliche, but it's it's so so true. Yeah, and I, what I think it was what a sarcoma that you had. Um, yes, that you said you mentioned it started in your foot, and you was there a point you know oh they did the operation I'm good this is just a little blip in my life and then it got really serious. Was it a matter of months before it spread, or was this all that you know just one thing happened after another? Well, what happened was there was this uh, little, I would say like a, a pea-sized tumor, like on my right foot. Yeah. And I like showed my mom and like we went to the doctor. And they, they said like, keep an eye on it. But I wasn't like an idiot kid. So I, I didn't realize like that it was getting bigger every day. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. I didn't realize how, until the, like one day we were at the beach. My mom was like, whoa, what, what's going on? Like I guess like a couple of weeks or maybe a month or so went by and it had gotten to like a, almost like a golf ball size. Mm. And like I don't know like – Looking back, I'm like, how did I not like notice this? Yeah. You know, but I, I can't make any excuse. So anyway, we went to, you know, the doctors and they ended up, you know, removing it, doing the biopsy, everything. They realized it was a cancerous tumor, but they thought they had caught it earlier, early enough that no chemo or anything would be needed. But they they said that if this type of cancer is a synovial sarcoma, for, I don't know how they knew this, but if it were to spread, it's going to spread to your lungs. Hmm. So. You need to get a chest x-ray every month. And that's what we did. And uh, just about a year later of getting it every month, we saw the two tumors in one and one in the other. So we caught it like as early as you could catch it. Wow. Right. Yeah. But um, but that meant, you know, the cancer was in the blood. And uh, now the the chemo, it was needed. It was 100% necessary. Yeah. And uh, you come out of that, which, uh, you know, thank God. Um but, you know, you hear people talk all the time that and it, and it sounds, you know, it's like a movie. I mean, you were a make a wish kid, which is it had, you know, how serious it must have been. Right. But uh, where you say, OK, I, you know, I, I, this was my life changing moment. I said, you know, I'm going to do great things because of this. But they don't also realize, you know, that, that people it's 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 like PTSD that it they ha- there can be a very uh, dark part of it. And and it it isn't you know, what you'd call a, an inspiring experience in life. Uh, what was it for you? Did you have to battle out of that and then uh, and then get on this journey or did it inspire you? What, what happened? 
I mean, I I wouldn't say it necessarily inspired me, but the the passion for for wrestling is what like drove me to get through it uh-huh. because like I can't even describe to you like in words like how bad it was. Like I felt uh-huh. like I was like I, I had like no feelings at some time. I was like a zombie. Like literally, my parents were 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 taking me to the hospital, and I'd be like in the hospital for a weekend in chemo. But like I don't like remember. I was like out of it the whole time. Just like I wasn't even like a person mm-hmm. um, on the weeks like I would be getting the chemo and stuff like that. And I knew um, I just had it. I had to get through this. Like obviously it's not like up to me to get through it, you know. But like that was my my mindset is like no matter what I can't give up. Like this this is just like a setback, you know. This isn't going to be forever. And uh, eventually I'll get through it and I'll you know fulfill all my dreams. Yeah. And that's so cliche. I know it's so cliche, but no, but no, really. I mean, that's I can't even imagine unless somebody has been through that. They can't understand completely. But from the beginning of this, so I don't know. You said you were a sophomore. So was this a two year period of time? I mean, how long from, say, start to finish to where you could continue your life again? It started in the summer going into my 10th grade. So I guess as a sophomore. Right. Yeah. And then. All the way till like the, I want to say, like the middle of junior junior year, so almost two wow. years. Wow, amazing! And do you so still I, do you I, still have to get you know checked or I don't uh, know how I, often? I'm all or, good. All uh, good. That's a, that's incredible. Yeah, I'm uh, very very blessed. Yeah, and so you get through it, and and uh, <laughs> you said your parents were probably thinking, yeah, we. We know he's got this obsession with wrestling. They probably even encouraged it because they knew what it, the positive impact it had during that. Sure. But was was there a point where they said, "Okay, all right, uh, Matt, you know you're you're good at this point. So let's now we go do the things that adults do. You go to school and you're going to have a career and you know work eight to five somewhere." Was there, or did right. they follow, let you follow that dream? I mean, my parents were both um, completely supportive. My mom, you know, she's a, she's a mother, so she's looking at her kid who's like 160 pounds, skinny. Mm-hmm. You know, saying like he wants to be in the WWE when like the rest of his friends are applying to colleges. Yeah. You know, like so yeah. I understand her concern looking back. Yeah. You know, um, but like I said, you know, they paid for my wrestling school. I went to uh, Nassau Community College. All right. Uh, I basically just went so they paid for my wrestling school. Like not the smartest move. I didn't take it seriously, yeah. uh, and I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Yeah. But at the time, I needed for myself. I needed no plan B. I needed to make sure that this worked no matter what. Um, and like I said, not the smartest thing, but that's what ended up working for me. Um, so I started wrestling in September of 2003 and I got signed to WWE in February of 2006. So, I mean, very, very shortly after I started, I got signed and I'm very, very fortunate. Yeah. No kidding. I mean, you would talk about the thousands and thousands and thousands of, uh, young people that would, that want to do it. Right. And just to get through a school and then, you know, there's a lot of these guys, they can do independent shows. and uh, But to actually, and I don't know if it had to do with your geography where you were and, uh, you know, that uh, proximity to the shows that were happening there. Uh, maybe your connection to, uh, was it Mikey Whipwreck who uh, trained you? But how did you, it, you know, start making that next move? Because that's a real short period of time when you're training and then suddenly you're actually a professional. Right. So it's a, a combination of all those things, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time, WWE was doing these weird, like, online tryouts where you'd sign up online and they'd, or you'd apply online. They'd pick a couple people and they would do uh, tryouts before random live events. Mm-hmm. 
and they were doing one on Long Island. And Mikey Whipwreck, he was um, he was my trainer. He was also in the original ECW, who was very good friends with Tommy Dreamer, who was like the head of like signing new guys to developmental contracts at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, like right below John Laurinaitis at the time. And uh, he put in like a little, you know, like, hey, maybe these kids should be in this tryout. You know, a little. I'm not saying he got us in, but I think he got us in. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. And uh, so we went to this tryout. It was before a live event at NASA Coliseum. Um, excuse me, <clears throat> Kurt Hawkins and I. And um, it was a horrible. We did horrible. <laughs> we did not do well. We were not um, 100% prepared for what was going on. But I think they needed to sign someone from these tryouts. And we were wearing matching gear. And I think they were like, uh, let's just sign those two kids who, <laughs> who look alike. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. yeah, because like there were some people like wearing like sweatpants yeah, and yeah. like gym clothes. And we were like all done up in our matching tag team gear. Okay. And I mean, that's what I think happened. Because I thought when I left that tryout, I thought for sure. I'm like, well, it's cool. Like I'll get another tryout one day. Blah, experience. Blah, blah. Sure. <laughs> experience. And like a week or so later, I'm pumping gas. And Tommy Dreamer calls me and tells me they're hiring me, um, and I got to go to Georgia for for developmental. Wow, that yeah. must have been a, a great day. Now, did was Kurt somebody you just met at the school? How did you guys were you childhood friends? How did you guys? Uh, it's become... like I, we had the exact like same life, like half hour apart, and never knew <laughs> half each hour other. Apart. Yeah. <laughs> uh, except he was like uh, an athlete in high school, and I wasn't. Uh, I was a backyard wrestler. Uh, um, but we started at the uh, the same wrestling school, uh, New York Wrestling Connection, and um, at first we hated each other because we were like the same size, we kind of looked the same, and we were more like competition for each other than anything. Uh-huh. You know, so like, well, I don't like this guy because he he's kind of like me. I got to make sure I'm a little better than him, and and vice versa. And one day it was someone's idea, like, hey, you guys look alike. Why don't you be a team? Um, and like. I don't think anyone gets in the business like I want to be the tag team for <laughs> the world one yeah, day. You yeah. know, so that wasn't that didn't, never even crossed my mind. Yeah. Uh, but then we started hanging out. We realized we both had this love for wrestling figures. And uh, then we started being like friends outside of the business, outside of the ring. And that really helped us, um, you know, form our team and, and, and put everything towards that. Yeah. That's so funny. So you had the same life a half hour apart, but the, yeah. <laughs> I guess it was destiny. <laughs> Uh, so, so I, I, I was shows and stuff, but yeah. never, never knew each other. That's that's crazy. I I always fi- find it interesting because this was past my time by a number of years, and I knew kind of, I knew how it worked back in the day how guys were brought in. Uh, you know, they still had uh, somewhat of of these independent operations around the country still existing, and so they could spot talent. And of course, people would send their three quarter inch tape or their VHS in. Sure, yeah. you know? <laughs> People would look at them, but it was a different order. Uh, it's interesting how it changed, but um, you know they, they call these deal of developmental you know contracts. What exactly did that mean? That you were going to they were going to uh, train you, but you were going to pretty much be enhancement talent. How did those agreements work when they came in? What did they tell you they were going to do with you? Well, now it's like completely different because NXT is not even a developmental. NXT is a right. third brand basically, so it's to- it's changed again. You know, but at the time, um, they had OVW in Louisville, and they had just opened Deep South Wrestling in Atlanta, Georgia. Well, they they told us Atlanta, Georgia, but it was really McDonough, Georgia, like 45 minutes outside of Atlanta, where there was 
two roads and nothing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but we moved down there and that was my first time moving away from home because I went to a community college. I was just living at home. So this was kind of like my college and wrestling at the same time. So I had a blast. Um, and we trained every day. Bill DeMott was the, uh, the head trainer. Um, Dave Taylor was also there. Eventually, uh, Dr. Tom Pritchard was there mm-hmm. and it was just like, you'd go in and you, you, you learn the WWE way. And every, every week we would do a show, a uh, television show. And there was no, there was no guarantee you would ever make it to the, the main roster, you know, right. and you just have to hope and pray that you did. And, uh, while I was there, I saw a bunch of my buddies who, I thought were extremely talented, get released, you know, never even got to make it to WWE. So there were no guarantees that you would ever, ever make it. And, um, we were, we were young kids there. We were 21 years old and, uh, you know, practice. I mean, you could, you could read some things like online about deep South. It it was rough and it was hard, but we loved it because, you know, it was such a tight knit group. There's probably, I would say less than 30 of us. So we would be like suffering during the day at practice, you know, cause practice was rough. But then afterwards, we'd all be getting lunch together or going out and hanging out together. So it was a, it was a family environment for us. Yeah. Who were some of the uh, guys that, w- that went on to do well that uh, came up through that class? Oh, yeah. Some of the guys, um, Kofi Kingston mm-hmm. was there, uh, Tyson Kidd, Natalia, uh, MVP, wow. uh, Luke, Luke Gallows, uh, Connor from The Ascension, uh, Hawkins and Ryder, obviously. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a bunch of people. Yeah. But well, uh, but it sorry, is amazing <laughs> though that, that coming through there and um, oh, the great Kali. How could I forget him? Yeah, how could you at all? <laughs> um, so, when did they start letting you be involved in some shows? Because you did start appearing on 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 television. Uh, when did that? When was that in the middle of your training, or how did how did that work? Well, every once in a while, they they'd pick a they'd pick a person up and they they test them on on the house shows on a loop of house shows just to you know see what they got you know maybe guys they they saw potential in who they wanted to bring up to uh, the main roster but not yet just to and give the guys some main roster experience so we did mm-hmm. a couple loops like that and then um, I believe it was late April of 2007 they announced that they were closing Deep South Wrestling. Mm-hmm. And they were going to start FCW, which became NXT. Right. So we had this whole meeting that, okay, a couple of you guys are going to move to OVW and a couple of you guys or the rest of you guys are going to move to this brand new FCW. Mm-hmm. So Hawkins and I were chosen to move to OVW, which we thought was cool. Like is OVW, you know, that's where everybody like John Cena, Brock Lesnar, Randy Orton, all those guys came from. So we wanted to, to be an OVW, you know, try that out. Yeah. And in that week of us moving is when we got the call to debut on the main roster. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and that was May, May 2007. God, that must have been a whirlwind. Oh, my I mean, God. I, I not, it, it was just amazing even, like you said, to sign a contract. But after, you know, having this dream, what was that to, to get the call up? I guess it, you'd like it, they call it getting called to the big show. Oh, uh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those nights that I'll, I'll never ever forget. Um, we were we were booked to be like enhancement talent, yeah. And who got the upset win? You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. almost like one, two, three, kid style, yeah. And uh, and then it just stuck. But the 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 we were the major brothers. We were supposed to be twin brothers there. Yeah. Uh, Brian and Brett Major. I was Brett Major. And it just it just never really took off. Mm-hmm. Um, because we had been pitching that we wanted to be like 
an 80 style tag team, but be heels because like the white meat baby faces in 2007, were getting booed out of the building. Uh-huh. So we wanted to be so over the top, goofy and happy that people hated us, <laughs> but they, they, they wanted us to be over the top, goofy and happy, but have people cheer us. It just didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and you knew that <laughs> oh, right away, right away. <laughs> it's funny and how they within, let you know. <laughs> yeah. And within a couple of months, we were we were uh, just sitting in catering every week, just eating that catering, eating yeah. that eating that free food. And um, at the time, we still had to go to OVW. So we would do all the OVW commitments, do our WWE commitments, go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But there was really nothing for us on the main roster mm-hmm. and every so often um a bunch of writers and producers from wwe would go down to ovw and, and just see who's down there you know see what everyone's got down there and see where everyone's at and i remember we were at smackdown and we knew they were all coming the next day all the producers and writers um and we went to michael hayes and said hey like tomorrow what should we show you i mean you know what we do. Like, we're here. Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to show you? And he said, like, I don't know. Show me something different, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, we had this crazy idea, Hawkins and I, to, like, we had all this Edge stuff, like Edge shirts, Edge merchandise, and we were genuine fans of Edge. Like, why don't we be Edge's lackeys? Why don't we pitch to be Edge's lackeys? Mm. And uh, so we had a practice match the next day, and instead of our – so we would treat it like a real show, like the entrance music, you right. do an entrance – and you would even cut a little promo for the writers. So instead of our generic major brother music, Edge music hit. Mm-hmm. And then we came out dressed as Edge. And we we cut a promo or a little skit pretending that we were on the phone with Edge. Like, I forget exactly what it was. Something about like getting his coffee. Basically being his little errand boys, yeah, you know? Yeah. And and they loved it. Wow. They loved it. And um, that kind of got the, the ball moving for us to become the Edge heads. Um, Edge was out with an injury, and we had to pitch it to Edge, <laughs> you know. And we didn't really know Edge yeah, I was at all. Ask you, when did you? It's like a high and by kind of relationship. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think either Hawkins got his his number or his email and uh, pitched him the idea. And I want to say within a couple weeks, we were debuting in the main event of a pay per view, dressed as Edge, helping him win the world heavyweight title. Yeah, that's that's very cool. And I know you you've gotten to know Edge over the years now and, and know what a, a really a great guy he is. Oh, that's and sure. and uh, you know, I've had a chance to work with him and Christian a couple of times with their on their show and, and gotten to know them a bit. Uh, and I just love a lot of times to sit around and Tommy, you know, is a really close oh, friend yeah. of theirs <laughs> and to hear them tell these stories about their coming up and, and them, you know, going uh, trying to trying to get their way in, and I remember them telling a story last time. They're they're kind of uh, talking about the first time they encountered you know a big superstar and how they approached him. And and I Christian I can't remember who the superstar was, but he said he went up to him you know and kind of sidled over to him and said, "Hey, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professional wrestler too." And yeah. <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing he ever said. Right. And the guy's like, "That's that's cool, good good for you, man." And you know, but. Uh, I, I'm sure that when you pitch this thing to Edge and you finally got to meet him and realize, you know, he's 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 another guy that's just working and and uh, you know wants to help people along too. Is that was that pretty much your impression once you got to know him? For sure, and and, yeah. and he totally helped us because I I truly believe that if we didn't become the Edgeheads, yeah. that Brian and Brett, Brett, Brian and Brett Major would have been released within six months. Yeah. Because during that time, you know, I've been in WWE for 
over a decade now, I've seen a lot of people come and go. And there, yeah. there used to be these these mass uh, releases at, at every couple months. And I for sure believe we would have been in those releases if it wasn't for Edge taking a chance with us. Yeah. So I, I owe him, I mean, I owe him so much. Yeah. But Pretty it's also, everything. yeah, but Zach, also on the other side of that, that you guys said, we've got to do something different. And, uh, right. you know, I've told the story when I was, uh, when I auditioned for, as an announcer and you know they used to bring people up to stanford and i was living in new york city at the time and i took the train and i you know i was an outsider to the business i didn't know a whole lot about it i you know, did a, a lot of homework over a period of about two weeks and i went up there and i can't even remember how many other guys were auditioning that day but um i i remember that bruce pritchard was there and i think vince was back in the you know had come over to do you know i don't even know if he was paying attention but I knew that I had to do something different to stand out from these guys because everything was, the, you know, you read this, you do a little play-by-play, they try, you have you, have you sell the broom. And I had thought about on the train, what if I get a chance to do something? I came up with this stupid skit uh, that I would – and I remember they were just getting ready, getting ready to dismiss me, and I said, um, because I just like, I got to do it. And I said, oh, can I just do one one more thing? It's just something I, you know, want to do on the side here. And, and I remember Bruce going uh, – yeah, sure. And I did this. And I, to this day, I, you know, because I know Eric Bischoff had auditioned, not at the same time, but he talked about later, and he didn't get called back. I really believe that that was, you know, coming up with that stupid, whatever the hell it was, at least it stood out. And that's, right. I think that's a classic example of what you talk about here. You guys realize <clears throat> we got to do something for them to notice us. And thank you, know, and it's great that as it went on, that Edge appreciated it too. But, you know, I think you got to give yourself credit. And I think people listening that, you know, take that to heart. You know, that's something, hey, you got to stand out, find something. It, it may not even make any sense at the time, right. but the fact that you took that shot, right, and uh, yeah. it, it worked. So going kinda, up, I mean, what was yeah. that, you know, uh, did you feel, okay, maybe we got a shot now? Maybe we're going to, you know, really crack this roster? Well, absolutely, because we went from literally sitting and catering to being yeah. involved in matches with guys like Batista, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, Ric Flair. Wow. So it was this crash course of, um, you know, sink or swim. Mm-hmm. And, and, and we, the stuff we learned from these guys, invaluable stuff. You know, to, to work with these main eventers, truly main eventers. You know, our first WrestleMania was being involved in the main event. Mm. And, to, and to sit... And, and sit with uh, Undertaker and Edge and, and hear them go over the match. Wow. And we're involved in this. It was like, this is unbelievable stuff. Yeah. People, I, I, people I, would pay to hear this stuff. And we're, and we're getting to be a part of it. And we're getting paid. Yeah. You know what else, what else is fascinating, too? Because uh, And I have to imagine for you, because you were a, a super fan, uh, you know, and to be around these guys. And I'm always <laughs> fascinated. Like, how do you keep your your shit together. I think it's the best way to oh, put it God, because right. when you're around these people and you have to be, you got to perform. And sure. uh, how did you do that? I mean, because really you've, you had to have been, you've got to be looking at these guys going, uh, uh, you know, poke me. Am I, am I really here? Am I sitting here? Right. And, and because we were so young and I felt like when we got on the roster, to me, at least everyone felt like grown men, you know, yeah. like undertaker, Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, triple H, all those guys that it's just like, 
Hawkins and I are, I think, 21, maybe 22 at the time. Like, what are we doing here? But we had to just adjust, and we had to put on that 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 game ready face, yeah, and uh, right. we had to just do the work. Yeah, yeah, we're one of the boys. That's right. Hey, that's exactly. right. Exactly. We're, we're supposed to, we're, we're 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 supposed to be here. Exactly. Um, and, and you formed some great relationships over the years. We mentioned, you know, Edge and, and well, like Dolph Ziggler and John sure. Cena. Um, how did these guys help you along the way? I mean, you're you're really young at this point. Uh, did they must have appreciated that they were at that point somewhere in sometime in their careers, or were just were there just guys that really stood out? Um, I think you know, um, like later on when when the whole like edge thing didn't work out. Well, yeah. not that it didn't work out, yeah. but it ran its course, you yeah. know. And then I uh, Hawkins and I broke up, and I was doing my own thing. You know, I, I, again, I wanted to be different, so I cut my hair and started wearing goofy headband and sunglasses, wearing one-legged tights at one time mm-hmm. and trying to be this Long Island douchebag. And eventually, like, that was cool for a while, and then it kind of wasn't really going anywhere again. And that's when I started that YouTube show uh, in February of 2011. That was another thing, like a sink or swim, either get noticed or get fired, but yeah. either way, create some sort of buzz. And there was no master plan. It was just... I had this this flip cam, which I don't even think they make flip cams anymore. With now with cell phones having like that crystal clear video. Yeah. But I started making these no microphone. Little, you don't have a yeah. It sucked. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I started making these little uh, YouTube shows, and they were they evolved. They were skits, and then like my friends were cast members. My dad was in it, and it was guys like like Cena who I think loved that initiative. Right. And he would, you know, he would tweet about it or he even like appeared on one of the episodes and just getting that 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 shove or that stamp of approval from him was huge. Zach, uh, that is awesome. And uh, I want to get to another subject here. But before we do that, I want to take time out to speak to all of my very smart business people out there listening to PTSM. And uh, they're very smart. There's no question about it. But you know what's not smart? Job sites that overwhelm you with tons of wrong resumes. But you know what is smart? ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. That's right. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't wait for candidates to find you. ZipRecruiter finds them for you. It's a powerful matching technology, and it scans thousands of resumes, identifies people with the right skills, education, and the experience for your job, the one you're trying to fill. And it also actively invites those people to apply. So you absolutely get qualified candidates fast. Now, no more sorting through the wrong resumes, no more waiting for the right candidates to apply. And with that, it's no wonder that ZipRecruiter is rated number one by employers in the US. And that rating comes from hiring sites on Trustpilot with over a thousand reviews. When you have a thousand reviews, that absolutely means something. And right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, okay? Uh, make a note. Whatever you got to do, write it down. Here it is, ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash P-R-I-M-E-T-I-M-E. ZipRecruiter.com slash primetime. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. I also want to talk about uh, how, like, I don't think people really understand the competition at that level. That, and the only way, thing I can liken it to is, I, you know, I tell people, okay, you've got the NFL, 
and you've got all these teams, and then the roster is during the season maybe 50-something, you know, 53, I think it is, or whatever, uh, or even, even uh, you know, you know, all these different sports. Now, okay, and they are of the elite athletes of the world, okay? So right. you, uh, look how many hundreds there are, though, that still are allowed to play in that league. At any given time, um, maybe now, I don't know, maybe at that period of time there was 100 superstars. Think about that. I was going to say, like this. Yeah, think about that. It's got to be less than 100, yeah. if not, I mean, or just over 100. Yeah, because yeah. I remember is- during my time, I because I, I had actually counted the roster, I was going through, you know, the old names and – and it would vary between, say, 53 to 60-something. I know that, you know, because it was much bigger, but still, less than 100. Uh, have people, I mean, how could you make people understand the, the, the level of competition that you've got to try and get noticed, to get a push? Right. And it's always like, what, what have you done for me lately? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, and, and that's, and that's the name of the game. And and sometimes I even, even today I have to step back and be like, whoa, like, you know, you are in WWE. You know how many people want to be here? You know how many thousands of people have tried to be here or are still trying to be here? And you've been here and, and I haven't been there for a cup of coffee. I've been there for over a decade and I, I could probably count a couple, a couple fingers. How many people have lasted longer than I have? And I'm talking like without any stops in their run. And granted, okay, I haven't had a Hulk Hogan like Hulkamania run. All right. But I've been here. I'm yeah. still here. And that's kind of, you know, I'm surviving. And uh, and, I, and I'm proud of that. That's something I'm very, very proud of that I've always found a way, you know, when, when everyone has counted me out. Even even maybe I started to count myself out. I found a way. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the story of my career, yeah. whether it be the Edgeheads. Or the YouTube show. There's so many different times where, like, oh, you thought Zach was out? Nope. One, two, is. kick out. You know. Yeah. Uh, and, and getting back to the to YouTube channel, and you said you started this in, in 2011 in February that year. Uh, were you a big YouTube fan? Uh, did you see the possibilities in there, or was it kind of born out of I've got to find a stage and this might be it? Well, you know, I, I watched a couple of things on YouTube, and yeah. and I'm not. I'm not saying I'm the. There was also WWE.com, like like Miz and Morrison had their own video, like uh like video series prior, or like Santina Morella. But those mm-hmm. were, you know, and while they did get involved in, with the creative, but like at the end of the day, WWE did it. Mm-hmm. You know, they put it together. Yeah. They they filmed it. Yeah. They edited everything. Right. This was all me, and I I'm not like this tech savvy guy, believe it or not. So I was teaching myself how to edit on iMovie, mm-hmm. how to even upload it was impossible at first. And um, I just knew I needed to create some sort of content, so show show everyone my voice. Mm-hmm. Because if, if I wasn't on TV, they, they you know, how would they know what my personality is? How would they know what my character is? All that BS. Yeah. You know, I needed to create um, some sort of, not only a creative outlet for my mind, but something for like, for me to get out there, like a promotional tool. Yeah. And, and that's what it was. And it kind of, it kind of, uh, well, not kind of, it snowballed. It, it completely did. And, and in ways that I, I guess could have like, could have hoped for, but never really imagined. Yeah. That. When did you notice so, that though? After, I, I mean, how many episodes? Because, you know, I went back and I looked at some of the first, uh, first few of them. And, and it's funny because you were talking about, you, know, you didn't know what you're doing, whatever. And I love like the little, the wipes you were doing that were coming in and out. Oh, the God, yeah. come in. You know, now they just, it's jump cut, jump cut, jump cut. And people, that's sure. very acceptable. But, um, 
But how, after how many episodes, because it really was organic, which is awesome. And I think that's the only reason uh, what, in many ways why it really worked, because you know, we'll get into the uh, when they when the WWE kind of put you in a situation where you, you know, had to go to their YouTube channel. But uh, after how many episodes really did you start to see like, holy, wait a minute, people are actually you know, watching this? I would say, so I started in February. I would say by like WrestleMania that time. So I think that's like episode seven or so. Um, Because I remember there was a a press conference, a WrestleMania press conference. And someone who was in the media, he went up to John Cena, The Miz, and Triple H on the red carpet and asked about my show. And they all said something. And I used that footage like on my show that week. I'm like, this is actually, this is actually taken off. And, and, um, I, I did something with like uh, they had made a Zack Ryder T-shirt and I did something where if you bought the shirt and tweeted me a picture, I would mail you an autograph. So I was really mm. mailing people these autographs. And I think between, uh, you know, the autographs and and me doing my own show, the, like you said, it's, it was authentic and and fans saw that it was me doing it, me trying, me pushing myself, me, me just trying to get noticed. And they wanted to be a part of that. Yeah. And for instance, they would bring um, Zack Ryder signs to the shows and I would have someone uh, screen grab like raw and then send me that picture and then I would post like sign of the week. Yeah. And it would it would um it would entice fans to bring more signs because they wanted to be a part of this rider revolution. Yeah, and in some ways, and I'm and I'm not taking anything away from your talent here, but um it was also a way, you know, people don't like to be told this is what you have to like. You know what I mean? Where where as the WWE say, okay, here is this storyline and this is we're gonna give it they got <clears throat> through you and and you helped that it happen. You basically got to start to create your own storyline in this, and they they got to to control it by telling the WWF or WWE. I sorry, <laughs> I still go back, but you know what I'm saying. They were able to with the chance at the arenas, and you and uh, you know after you couldn't ignore it, right? You, know, you, could, you can't take you can't take that out. You can't unsweeten it. You know, <laughs> right? And they were they were chanting, "We want Ryder to shows <laughs> that I wasn't even at," yeah. and that was such a great great feeling. Uh, it, it is. And, and uh, uh, were you also smart to these other social platforms? Did you use Twitter as well? Were you, you know, were you with that, uh, you know, you'd have this cohesiveness between it or? Did this- yeah. And, and, and this was before Instagram. So like, it's the thing is like at the time I was like 25, yeah. 26, maybe. So like my friends were using Twitter, my friends were using Facebook, my friends yeah. were, you know, so like I was just doing like the things like my friends and I would do, but as Zack Ryder. Yeah. So it was like everyone just wanted to be friends or broskies with Zack Ryder. So I was using all those tools. Yeah, and I, you had you, this cast of characters, I think, is the best way to describe it. But oh, uh, where did all the stuff of the broskies, the woo-woo-woo, uh, is, was that you know, stuff that you guys said when you were younger? Where, where did all that all, all come from? The, uh, the, when, when Hawkins and I split up and we kind of had – because at the time, Edge was out with an injury and it was just Hawkins and Ryder. But nobody knew who was who. We were just like the Edge guys. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, Shawn Michaels cut a promo – on Raw, uh, promoting a match we had with him, and he forgot our names and just called us the Edge Guys. You know, like nobody <laughs> yeah. knew who we were. Yeah. I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah. So I knew that once we split up, this was my chance to be as different as possible. Like if you stood me next to, like Zack Ryder, the Edgehead, I didn't want to look anything like him. So I cut my hair. I, I started uh, wearing one-legged tights, look as ridiculous as possible, sunglasses, headband. And really what it was, was I was trying to be a version of myself 
that I would hate, like a version of like if you were to close your eyes and think of someone like from Long Island, like, Long Island, Island douchebag. I think you described. Like, like this was before all that Jersey Shore stuff. Right, yeah. So people are like, "Oh, you're a, you were a Jersey Shore rip of it." It makes me so yeah, mad. Right. No, they copied this was me before. <laughs> um, but I tried to be everything that I would hate if I was out. So I like pop my collar up and, mm. and wear obnoxious colors. And the woo, woo, woo was something I would say with my friends, like out of the bar, like if a hot girl walked by, I'd say like woo, woo, woo to like try to get her attention. Yeah. We thought it was funny, but it was also annoying. So yeah. it became my, my catchphrase in wrestling. Oh, that's so funny. And eventually it became something people were chanting at Madison Square Garden. Yeah. Well, it, Zach, really, uh, and I don't know if you give yourself the credit, but you were really a, a trailblazer in this sense. And that's why I was, uh, one of the things I really wanted to talk to, to you about was this, that, um, and maybe looking back, maybe now you realize it more, but the fact that you were utilizing all this before the people really knew what you could do with those platforms. And then on top of this, and you're seeing it today, and we'll, we'll, I want to get into this also, but... You even saw early on there that what it could do to affect merchandise. You were selling oh t-shirts. I think you were one of the top uh, performing superstars with merchandise. It was ridiculous. Yeah. I had sunglasses, headbands. <laughs> I had wigs, t-shirts. Bro, I have I showed you. I I, I kept like one of everything. Mm. I have a box in my garage. Like they're Broski slippers, <laughs> the most a garden gnome, ridiculous <laughs> things. You name it, they made it. Oh, that's so funny. I got to see the garden gnome. You got to post a picture oh, of that. The, the, it's a Zack Ryder garden gnome. Yeah. Unbelievable. So this this works. It, it, it really, it, it, it forces you back into the limelight. They cannot ignore you. Right. Uh, so, and do you remember the, and I don't know if it was grudgingly, or did they say, hey, uh, you know, I, I always wondered, how did they take that? Did they, were they offended by the fact you got these fans and damn it? We can't ignore this guy, or did they say, "Hey, he's onto something"? Let's. How was what was the what, reaction? What, I don't, I don't like living with regrets. But one of my biggest regrets um, was not going to Vince McMahon personally at this time and kind of asking what the deal is because now I can only speculate. Yeah. You know, right. so I don't know if it was, oh, let's just use this guy and shut people up, or oh, let's see what he's got. You know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I can't speculate. And that I wish I would have found out for myself, yeah. and uh, that that's on me, you know. Um, but they ended up did uh, they did start to use me, and you know I started the year as nothing, being forced to start this YouTube show. I ended the year as the United States champion. Yeah. So 2011 was a hell of a year for me, uh, and then it all kind of started going downhill. <laughs> yeah. Well. That is, you, you were, you're not a unique story there. And, and as we mentioned about how things work, um, you know, they turn on a dime in, in the WWE. And, and there are a few exceptions. There's certainly you've got the John Cena's and the, you know, guys that have been able to ride the wave and, and uh, it never, never crests. But they're, it, this is the way it works. Um, how, did you, how do you, at this point, because... They, I think you said it was about a few months in, maybe, I don't know, four or five months in, and they already were coming to you and say, hey, we want to bring your YouTube channel to our, our YouTube channel. They'd made a deal. Um, but did you know then that, God, they're going to ruin this that because it's well, not going to have that uh, organic feel? It's not going to be my viewers anymore. It's going right, to be what? a product right. of WWE. 
at, at first they wanted me to move the channel to WWE.com or move my show to WWE.com. I said, absolutely not. Like that's not, that's not cool. Like people don't go to WWE.com to watch it. Yeah. They, they go to YouTube to watch, you know, their, their, their cool videos, you know? Yeah. So I said like, absolutely not. I said, no way, no way am I doing this. And I was starting to get a little bit of balls, you know, cause like what I was doing was working mm-hmm. and I was kind of, uh, not kind of, but I was, I was gaining confidence in myself and gaining confidence in what I could bring to the table. Right. And, um, but a year had gone by of me doing the show and it was presented to me that WWE was going to do their own YouTube channel and that my show was going to be like the show or that was like the selling point, you know, cause there was no other show at that point. Yeah. It was just me. So I oh, guess you had I don't the know numbers exactly. too. Right. So yeah. I don't know exactly how it was presented. I wasn't involved in any of those meetings. Yeah. Um, but also when I started this YouTube show, I didn't want to be a YouTube. I didn't want to have a YouTube show. I wanted to get noticed. And that was it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that was it. So once I won the United States title, I think that was a perfect ending. Yeah. You started from the beginning. You worked up a whole year. You won the title. Now you're on TV. You know, goodbye YouTube show. Yeah. You know, I was done. And and like I said, I was the one filming this, writing this, editing yeah. it. So all my days off, this is all I was doing. Work. This was my yeah. life. It was yeah. my – to somebody watching it, be like, oh, this part is like five minutes. But no, it took yeah. me all two or three days I was home. Yeah. So I didn't want to do it anymore. Not yeah. because I don't – want to put in hard work, but it got me to where I wanted to be. I wanted to be on TV. I wanted to be successful. And I was in that spot. I was done. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of presented to me like we're bringing this to WWE's YouTube channel and you have to do it for another year. Uh. And I'm like another year. Oh God. <laughs> I'm like, Oh my God. I'm like, and in the first year, what made it so successful, I was doing things like, like tongue in cheek, I'd be climbing over a fence and somebody'd be like, Zach, what do you do? And I'd say, I'm trying to get over. <laughs> or 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 some some big jacked yeah. up guy would yeah. push me and I'd get in his face okay. and say, Nobody pushes Zack Ryder. You know, so I was doing a lot of things like that. Yeah. But like, you Nobody can't pushes do those... Zack Ryder except Vince McMahon. <laughs> right. Yeah. You can't do those kind of jokes Give me a push. like when you're the US champion. It's done. Yeah. And yeah. you can't take shots at WWE. While you're on the WWE channel, yeah. it's not gonna, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, and I expressed my concerns, and I was promised that I would, you know, uh, I would. Oh, here's another thing: I would still have to film, edit, and do all the work by myself. Oh, gee, thanks, but, guys. Yeah, yeah. But I would, uh, but I would. Now it became a job. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because yeah. I tried every week. I put it up like let's say Thursday, right? But I, sometimes it was up at three, sometimes it was up at four, sometimes up at twelve. Yeah. But now it had to be in like the day before early, so WWE could approve it and upload it and do all the logistics. Yeah. So now it was a job, and now there was pressure, and uh, it just was not fun anymore. And now the, yeah. in the second half, the second fifty, there's a couple gems, a couple good segments in there, but the heart and soul of that show is the first fifty episodes. Yeah, and, and did you monetize your channel? I mean, at that I, time, I, I did not because it? oh man, I did not because yeah. I I don't own Zack Ryder. It's a WWE intellectual property. Oh really? So I didn't even want to like get into yeah. that where yeah. where I, now I was doing something illegal. Yeah. As a matter of fact, a, a number of times my videos were shut down for using WWE footage. Guys, I'm like, I'm in WWE. Yeah. <laughs> I had to, I, I had to contact WWE. Like, I'm in WWE. Can you put my video back up? <laughs> yeah. Wow. 
But uh, yeah, like you said, as 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 uh, as high as the highs, that you there's lows and lows in in the oh, WWE boy. and people. That's another thing that uh, you know it's hard to understand. Is, is is people thinking, well, God, you're there, so you must it just must be wonderful, you know, rainbows and everything. <laughs> and that's not the case. I mean, it, it's it's tough work, and the and the stress, uh, you know, is 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 amazing. It, it's it it wears on you, and this is day after day after day after day, uh, you know. How did you get through this? That that was a tough time, and and you would make it back uh, to the greatest day of your life. But how do you get through that period of time? Um, when when I saw everything like slipping away from me, and and all my hard work literally getting flushed down the toilet, yeah. uh, it, it was it was heartbreaking uh, mm-hmm. on so many levels. And again, that's a time where I wish I would have manned up, knocked on Vince's door and asked him what was going on, but I didn't. So we'll never know. And again, that is on me. I accept full responsibility of what happened to me. Um, but it it sucked. And I was very, uh, I was very bitter at the time. And, um, you know, now I have a different looking back. I have a different, uh, perspective on everything. You know, I should have taken control. I should have I should have, like I said, went to Vince directly and, and asked what was going on. At least so I knew, yeah. <clears throat> um, so I could have maybe done something about it, but um, yeah, to to see all that hard work literally disappear, um, it sucked. It, it really did. And um, you know, now like I've been there for so I started in 2007 on the roster, and now it's not even a year it is 2018. So yeah. over almost 12 years on the roster Jeez. i've yeah. i've had the highest of highs the lowest yeah. of lows but you know what like of course the end goal is to is for me to be the 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 WWE champion you know i want to be that grand slam champion um but there's only a couple of things you can control in this business i've learned you know like you can control your your attitude your physique and your gear that's about it yeah that's about you it know? right that's about it yeah. um so I, 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 I try not to let um, the good or the bad really affect me because in this business, um, and it's happened to me personally many times, it can change for better or worse overnight. Yeah. Well, and as you I think saw, I, I, I mean, hope, it I've seen it both ways many times. Yeah. And, and they so, can't take away what you've accomplished. I mean, uh, you were absolutely. a tag team champion, um, uh, the U.S. champion, as you mentioned, but uh, – all this the internet really to yeah the internet oh, let's not forget the <laughs> WWE internet champion which I love the belt um, but the intercontinental championship and even those maybe these reigns were short lived but um, happened once that's all that matters yeah and and, and that have, has to be uh, the crown jewel I mean the for your your career and uh, I know it's a, probably a longer story but how that all came to be because like you said it was there were some tough times in there and then get to get that opportunity. Um, how did it, how did it all happen? Well, I mean, from like the end of the YouTube run to about then I was kind of in limbo. Uh, you know, I got rid of the, the, the headband and the glasses. I tried to be a little more serious. You know, I tried growing my hair out a little bit, then I cut it and I was wearing long tights and back to trunks. I was just trying anything to just get something i even tried doing another youtube show i call it a trilogy yeah. uh it's called last resort check it out it's still up there oh is man it? oh boy is it bitter <laughs> how many episodes three a uh, trilogy three. Oh, that somebody <laughs> said uh, zach stop so it, did, to, it yeah. did it did really take off yeah. uh 
But uh, and yeah, the E my... True uh, comeback story that was yeah. Well, that that yeah. that came after the um, yeah right. But yeah. Uh, getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. So it was a kind of a couple of years just floating, not not yeah. doing really anything, and uh, I don't know. It was just like just my lost years, you know. Mm-hmm. And and one day it was presented to me that I'd be going down to NXT to start teaming with Mojo Raleigh and we'd be the hype bros. And my initial re- reaction was, Oh, come on. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be a tag team. I don't want to team with this guy. I don't want to be in NXT, but like I thought about it. I, I was like down about it for about five minutes. I'm like, you know yeah. what? I'm going to make this work. Mm-hmm. This could be my shot. I'm going to do whatever it takes to make this work. So I remember I, I DM Mojo on Twitter. We started talking about ideas and for about a year or so, I would be going to NXT on all my off days. So I would do all the WWE commitments, all whatever live events I was on, the TV shows. And then I would go to NXT and do all their TV shows, all their live events. So I was going from, so from, you know, 20,000 seat arenas to go in, you know, to 150 people in an armory. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So it was like, it was a, Oh man, I just had to just bite, bite my tongue, swallow my ego and make it work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, uh, along the way, I heard these these rumblings that that at Vince had had saw me um, wrestling. I think it was a, a match on main event or superstars, not even Raw. You know the, the the matches they taped before. Right. And he said something like, you know, why aren't we doing anything with this guy? And I was like, Vince said that about me. Like, wow, that's yeah. that's that's awesome. Like, maybe something will start happening. Who knows? Um, and then I heard that I was on this list to be in uh, the ladder match at WrestleMania that year. And I was like, what, what? Like, how, how am I, how am I going to be in this? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Um, a couple of weeks later I was taken off the list, but to me, it was still kind of cool that I was even considered because, yeah, right. Considering that for the past two or three years, I've been doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, it sucks to say, but Neville, um, was supposed to be in that ladder match and he got injured on a, a Monday night raw. He got injured, uh, believe he broke his leg or his ankle or something he was out yeah out so the next day uh i found uh road dog and uh i, I just pleaded my case to him. I said if anyone deserves to be in this match it's me i just went off i don't remember i don't remember everything i said but apparently one of the things i said was i've never heard my music play at wrestlemania mm-hmm. and i i that was just like a throwaway throwaway line that came you know popped in my head i wasn't like planning this like i'm gonna say this one line about my music yeah. like, i wasn't planning that at all it just happened yeah. and uh later on in the day he pulled me aside he said hey what you said to me about that music it really like got to me and you know i don't know who talked to who or blah 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 blah. long story short i'm in the match huh? i was like you gotta be kidding me huh? like and like it's still not official yet but they're like no it's official we gotta i think they had to go print the programs or the t-shirts that night or the next day so they needed the list yeah I'm like, oh my god! So I couldn't believe it. I was going to be in this WrestleMania match for the Intercontinental Title. I, I've been in like a giant, like twelve man. I think it was a twelve man tag or a ten man tag at WrestleMania before, but I don't really count that. You know, we all it was like Team Teddy Long versus Team John Laurinaitis. Yeah. So I came out to Teddy Long's music. I was wearing a T-shirt with Teddy Long's head on it. Yeah. Doesn't doesn't really count, right, you know? Right, yeah. So to finally. Uh, you know, be at WrestleMania having a match, hearing my music play, uh, that was going to be my dream come true. And then I win? Yeah. Oh, my God. Right. Oh. So um, how did that co- – I mean, like you said, how do you go from just getting in the match to them saying, we're going to work this angle with him? We're going to 
and I don't know exactly yeah. what happened. Really? I don't know. Really? I don't know if they wanted a feel good moment. That's I don't know if they wanted a surprise, but they got both. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that place exploded when I won, whether it be uh, people be happy or like, what the hell just happened? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and um, my dad genuinely jumped the barricade and slid into the ring, <laughs> which created a whole nother moment like that is like to me, like when I think of like my greatest moment in mm. WWE, it's me hugging my dad, like yeah. holding that intercontinental title in the middle of the ring at WrestleMania. Jeez. Um, and luckily, like I'd been around for so long. My dad had been around so long that all the security guys knew him and didn't attack him. Yeah, right. Yeah, we know I what happens when you go in the they, ring. Yeah. They jump like, yeah. <laughs> it's fair game, yeah. Um, and then in typical Zack Ryder fashion, I lost the title the next day. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, but you can't, they but, can't take it away but, from you. Right. I mean, those credentials, that, that's that's Hall of Fame worthy, uh, Zach, I, dare, I, dare I utter this, but I'm telling you, and uh, really, not just the fact that you you lasted as long as you, you have in the WWE, but you've contributed uh, a great deal. And, and I really, I, I mean this, uh, that that's one thing, and I've had a conversation, I, you know, I had a conversation with my son the other day, I said, you know, that's what really stands out to me about Zach, is that he is, he is such a great example of that that uh, persistence and that never give up and having a dream. And, uh, you know, that, you know, I, I, I'm going to be proven right here, I think, at some point in one day. But um, really, I think that that certainly could happen with you. Um, before I let you go, though, I wanted to ask you uh, uh, your thoughts on, on what we're seeing happening now with, um, you know, like what we saw outside of Chicago with Cody and the Young Bucks with the all-in and the fact that these guys are really – controlling their own destiny now the the business is changing in a sense that these guys are calling the shots and it's for everything from uh now being able to create their own events and promote them uh the 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 amount of merchandise these guys are selling and it's theirs nobody else has is 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 grabbing a piece of this uh i wanted to get your thoughts on where you see this going and what these guys are doing right now Uh, i'm super proud of those guys especially cody cody is one of my best friends um, to see him not only successful but happy, you know, mm-hmm. I love that for Cody. And and what they're doing is is great, not just for them, not just for the fans, but for the business, you know. And yeah. and wrestling, it, it's it's growing, you know. We can't deny that. And NXT, like I said, we were talking about developmental. When I was in developmental, it was in a store. It's at a strip mall. Now it's not developmental. Now it's the third brand. Now they have their own action figures. They tour. They're on yeah. TV. They have merchandise. You know, so like NXT um, is this third brand that wasn't around before, and and they're they're getting all these guys from all these independents. Now these independents are, are are growing too. You know, they have they're streaming. You know, they they have fans. They have all their own merchandise on stores like Pro Wrestling Tees. So I love that the whole wrestling world is growing, and and that just that just helps everybody. And it's it's a great time to not only be a fan but to be a wrestler. Oh yeah. And do you see? I just have to wonder that there's got to be some of these guys in the uh, developmental, uh, you know, ranks there that are looking down who you know have a, a lot of talent. But there's a lot of competition up there. There's a, a lot of politics um, that they're kind of looking at this and saying, "Hmm, maybe that's not a bad path to to try to 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 go after because of what these guys are accomplishing." I mean, at the end of the day, if someone's making money and is happy, yeah. like good for them. That's all that that 
all that matters, you know. And I know for me, like I, I, like I said, I, I think Cody, what he's doing, I'm so proud of him. And for all the guys in NXT, like they're 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 super duper like hungry and talented down yeah. there. Like they they put on those takeovers, and then it's hard for the WWE roster to 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 follow it the next night, you know. So everyone is trying to one up everybody else in all avenues and all departments, and I think that's what, what's going to make this business thrive and get more popular than ever. Yeah, and I think I think it's good all the way around. I think it's it's uh, forcing everybody to raise the bar, whatever side you're on. I think it's great for the WWE. I really do because uh, these guys are getting bigger stages. You know, I was uh, at that event, and I'm telling you, it was just amazing. And I think that a lot of these guys are starting to realize, like you did earlier than other people did, that you can create that that direct contact with these people now. If you give, you know, with, for example, with Twitter, uh, somebody puts a comment up there, and you. Uh, either like it, retweet it, or make a comment. For God's sake, you've got that guy for you know for life, and right. that was not the way it was done before. You know the the promoters handled everything and how that interaction was. Uh, I, I just think it's it's great all the way around for the business. Absolutely, and and to your point, like back in the day, if you wanted to talk to a wrestler, you'd mm-hmm. you know maybe write him a letter and maybe you'd get a response, and maybe that response would actually be from them. But now, like, there's a possibility they could just write back to you on Twitter. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah. It's a crazy world we live in, and, and I love it. I think it's just going to help this business and help everybody individually. Yeah, and, sure. and you're still, uh, you know, very young. And, and I know in, in the business, you know, the body takes so much. But I uh, – I, I feel like else. I've been around for – I'm only 33 yeah. years yeah. old. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you know, in the NFL, that's old. And you guys take right. take a beating. And then I think worse than these guys, you know, they're – you know they're getting a car, they're getting in a car wreck once a week uh, during a season. You guys do it, you know, uh, three or four times a week, a couple times in the weekend sometimes. Um, but I, I just I you know have a feeling that you you know you're certainly not done yet. And the fact that I you you, you stay up on everything that's happening, um, and and with these new opportunities out there, I'm, I folks just just stay tuned for what's next with Zach Ryder because uh, I, I believe there's still a lot more to come. Yeah, I mean, my my motto is, uh, oh, I have two. It's uh, still here and always ready, and uh, and that's and that's what I got to be. Whenever whenever it's my turn, whenever something something changes, whenever whenever you know I'm called, I need to be ready 100 percent, 365. And that's how you know that's how I live my life, live my career, and it's paid off so far. You know, I'm always ready for that next moment, that next opportunity. And as like cliche as it sounds, like I have to be be able to make the most of any opportunity I'm given. And that's what I've made a career out of doing. Yeah, you absolutely have. So uh, tell our listeners, uh, once again, how can they listen to the podcast and uh, what, however else they can get in touch with you? Well, I'm on Twitter at Zach Ryder. Uh, the podcast, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, comes out every Fridays wherever you uh, find your podcast. We also have a Twitter, Major WF Pod. And... Um, I, I guess if you if you like the uh, the action figure world, check out the podcast. If not, check out the podcast anyway. Yeah, I was gonna, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say after that, man. It, it's fun, and I'm I, yeah. I I like I said, I don't even have my own uh, <laughs> wrestling I'll talk figure. To Mattel. Yeah, you got to do that Mattel. for me. <laughs> but no, but really, folks, it's 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 a fun listen, and uh, you're going to learn a few things about uh, the collecting business. But uh, Zach, really, it's been a, it's been a real pleasure talking to you. And uh, I, from my heart, man, I believe that you were uh, part of these uh, individuals, one of these individuals who really helped change the business in, in the fact well, of how that really much. that platform. And um, it's awesome. And like I said, folks, I, I know Zach Ryder ain't done yet. 
Not yet. <laughs> One, two, kick out. All right. All right, Zach. Thank you so much. Talk to you thank soon. Thank you. Thanks.